Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty, hosted by Jody Katz, founder and creative director of Base Beauty Creative Agency. Hey everyone, it's Jody Katz, your host for Where Brains Meet Beauty. This podcast is my side hustle. I do have a day job. I am the founder and creative director of Base Beauty Creative Agency. We are an omni-channel branding agency, hyper-focused on the beauty and wellness industries. Today's guest on our show is Gay Timmons. She is a huge force in natural beauty, and we're excited that she's a guest on our show. If you didn't yet catch it, please check out last week's episode with Jeannie Jarnot. She's the founder of Beauty Heroes. I hope you enjoyed the show. Okay, everybody, I am so excited to say that we are joined today by Gay Timmons. She's the founder of OO Organic. Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty. Thank you for having me. Well, let's start with you telling us what OO Organic Inc. is all about. Um, We are the only cosmetic ingredient distributor in North America solely dedicated to organic and sustainable ingredients. Um, So it has to be certified. And it has to come from green chemistry if it's a synthetic. And um, it has to meet all the rules of the various organic and natural standards that have been published. Um, So we do a lot of distribution. As a result of starting that business before people were very um, knowledgeable or keyed into the whole green and clean thing, um, I ended up doing a lot of consulting because I had to help people learn how to formulate and how to... I, you know, figure out what ingredients worked for them and what sustainable and organic and natural mean. So we, we cover a wide, a wide scope of things. You started this business 17 years ago. Yeah, 2000. What were you doing before that? I was doing a similar thing for food ingredients. So uh-huh. I was um, living on a small organic farm and doing growing and processing of organic food ingredients. And I was... Um, consolidating containers of both finished organic products and uh, organic ingredients and shipping them out to the Far East, Japan, Taiwan, Australia, New Zealand. And I really worked with uh, distributors in those countries primarily. So I kind of shifted from food to cosmetics. Why? Um, I had little kids and uh, I went through a divorce and I had to differentiate what I was doing from what my ex-husband was doing because of conflicts, you know, with the business. And I thought, hmm, cosmetics, that's going to be the next big organic thing, I said 17 years ago. So 10 years later, it started to work. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I meet so many founders who are really too early, right? They were doing something too good too soon. Um, And, uh, you know, there are I guess at this stage or like two years ago, still pretty beaten down and all of a sudden retailers started calling, customers started calling. Um, What was it like in the the first 10 years? Um, It was really hard. Um, uh, I always laugh. One of the, one of my old colleagues from the food side, you know, I said, well, we doubled. And he goes, that's pretty easy when you start at zero. (laughs) It's, it's absolutely true. Um, So I had to find other ways. That's why I did a lot of consulting, and I still did consulting and um, various kinds of work in the organic industry on the food side, helping people get certified, um, whatever they needed, you know, me to do, and that allowed me to earn enough money to kind of bankroll my 
growing little distribution mm-hmm. business. And you own this business solely? Yes. Wow, congratulations. I don't owe anybody any money. <laughs> Just a nice feeling. Is this the type of business where you need um, investors and loans to drive the business forward? I'm at the point now where I've got, I need a line. You know, I have a line of credit, and we're raising that actually next week, and um, so I need a little more flexibility and a line of credit. But at this point, I don't because I move through the product pretty pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Plus, um, about half of the companies that I represent, I work as a broker, so they're sending the invoices right. and collecting, you know, on the invoice. Right. So you're able to keep it lean on your end. Right. And, so still, I, yeah. and still be the center of this right. industry, basically. Right. So I have revenue both from commission, consulting, and actual repackaging and reselling of products that I bring in. Right. So this <clears> is um, highly specialized, and I, my guess is there's many people like you in the non-green and clean space, right? Yes. They're moving things from one place to another, selling right. them, reselling them, middle, middle man, or whatever we call it, right? right. Um, are there a lot of people as um, focused on this industry in this way of tracking ingredients and understanding the supply chain as you are, or is this like pretty rare now? Um, well, in the organic space or yeah. the natural space, yeah. um, I'd say I'm pretty unique in that. Uh, I divide it between two kinds of companies. There are a lot of websites that are dedicated, like Mountain Rose Herb only does certified organic. I think they have a few things that are not organic, but they do not serve um, or provide the kind of support you need for documentation and regulation if you're a cosmetic manufacturer. Um, And there are a lot of companies that are much more focused on being a web space web-driven business. Mm -hmm. So they may have many, many customers and sell four ounces or eight ounces. We don't do that. We support brands, labs, um, manufacturers who need have a need for long-term regulatory support, um, reliability on availability of ingredients, um, and work collaboratively Mm -hmm. so that when a brand comes in, they know if a brand says, you know, we're, we're scaling up and we want to be, you know, we want to use organic and natural ingredients. They know they can call me and get some suggestions. I've gotten to the point now where I literally just send packages of suggested ingredients hmm. mm-hmm. because they might be interesting or they may just be appropriate for that particular brand. Right. So you can service the large strategics, the multinationals. I work, yeah. Mm-hmm. I work with everybody from Estee Lauder and down to people who make soap in their garage. Right. This is so fascinating. Um, let's w- switch gears a little bit. We are recording a podcast. Right? Yeah. We're in this um, the studio space right now. And you told me that you're a lover of podcasts. I am. Absolutely. Um, what do you love listening to? I like listening to stuff that has nothing to do with my business, mm-hmm. um, but does support me entrepreneurially, I would say. I listen to a lot of... Um, as I told you earlier, I, I started off listening to... Um, you know, comedy and just people who, you know, a lot of comedians have podcasts just to kind of lighten the mood. But as I've found things, um, I like, I really like Kara Swisher, who's a tech reporter, but she interviews um, all of the entrepreneur, you know, founders in Silicon Valley and just listening to how they did what they did, even though the outcome is very different. A lot of the management 
information is very, very useful. I mm -hmm. love it. Um, plus, she's smart as a whip, so she's always fun to listen mm -hmm. to. And uh, I like, um, I like I'm, I'm political, so I love mm -hmm. listening to the political podcast. I like listening to the Axe Files because it's like a history lesson because he he'll interview for an hour people from all walks of um, government, both sides of the tracks, you know, from very liberal to the complete opposite. So you really get people's perspectives, and I really enjoy that. Um, and I listen to a lot of science. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm so glad that um, we have you here today. Um, I'm sure many of our listeners who are very interested in, in green beauty are wondering in their heads the question I'm going to ask next, which is, um, what is the language that makes sense for this industry? Is it, right, you, not everything can be organic. So is it natural? Is it green? Is it clean? Like, what language are you using around this that makes sense to you? Um, I break things down. And um, you need functional ingredients to have certain kinds of products, obviously. And the vast majority of products are going to have some kind of a synthetic. So... Um, I look at things that are minimally processed that are certified organic that come from food and they contribute a certain, you know, all of the oils, the emollients, there's a lot of natural, naturally um, occurring constituents in those kinds of ingredients that, are, that bring a lot of power to a product. But at the same time, you know, if you need a wax and you want a vegan wax, you can't use beeswax. So maybe you need a hydrogenated wax. So if that's done within using green chemistry from an organic or a natural material, then so much the better because you're using renewable uh, raw materials using green chemistry to synthesize your ingredients. So I talk about good and bad synthetics. Mm -hmm. So on, in my, from my perspective, green chemistry is where we're going, and green chemistry is a... Um, a measuring line. There's the 12 principles of green chemistry. It was a paper written in the 90s by a couple of guys. Um, John Warner is one of them, so you can Google it pretty easily. Uh, and uh, then the other side are things that we need to start really looking at, whether they're having an environment, a negative effect on the environment or some kind of concerns about toxicity. There are a lot of things that uh, accumulate in the environment, but they don't hurt humans. So um, we need to really start looking at those because it's really hard to get some of that stuff out of our water. Right. That kind of thing. Um, so that's how I look at it. And I just, I think that we as an organ, as a, as an industry, we need to have that conversation to answer your question collectively. Mm -hmm. I work with NOBA, which is the Natural and Organic Health and Beauty Alliance. So it's uh, N-O-H-B-A.org. Um, and we um, are putting together a working group to come up with best practices to kind of break down what is natural, what falls under the heading of green chemistry um, organic is defined under law for the agricultural components, um, and then there's private standards, so we've done a lot of work around that language, and so it's, it's available to us. Maybe we can take some of those models, transfer them over as we start talking about natural a little more effectively. Um, 
And then there's the whole issue of sustainability, which is another one. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think it's just changing light bulbs and, uh, and lightening your packaging. I think there's a lot to, a lot for us to do environmentally. So um, I, I was introduced to you, thankfully, through Ashley Prangy, mm-hmm. the founder of Onatral, who's a client and a friend. And, um, you know, Ashley is super involved, and she's part of NOVA with you. Right. Yeah, she's on our board. And um, so I've been hearing about Ashley's point of view on this for over a year now. And um, I'm in this industry, and I have many other clients who would mm-hmm. be maybe they're green and clean, whatever you want to call it. I'm confused, right? I'm in yeah. this industry, um, working with people who are on the front lines, like literally right. going to DC and going to the fields and you know meeting with everybody in between. Um, and I think our customer is like way, way, way more confused than I am, right? Yeah. Um, and you know, I, I try to um, make sort of like buckets for our clients around like, you know, if you are a brand that's valuing, I guess, green chemistry, although that's not a, brand, a term that my clients have been using, if you value sustainability, if you value green and clean, or you value natural, you value organics, um, we try to bucket the customer. There's like the exceptionally educated customer who might be, you know, reading everything that you write, basically, or, you know, your, your peers and really focused on um, every little detail, like the supply chain, where it came from, how it's... Um, extracted, right? Like things that most people don't know. So that's one bucket, and it's a very small, but a vocal right. bucket. Um, and then there might be people who are like really making lifestyle changes based on their health, like a pregnancy or a cancer scare, or you know, some, something like that's that. The that's the biggest sort of component, I would say, of change. And then there's other people who are like, I want to do good. Right. I just want to make good choices. I don't know what those choices are. Right. I need some right. some guidance. Right. So. Um, you know, I think two of those groups are doing a lot of research, even if they're confused or they're, they're actively researching. I think the majority of people who are consumers in this space, they just want to do good and they want to feel good. Um, what kind of guidance would you give to them as they're trying to make decisions around what products to use, what brands to trust? Like, how, how, do, how can they enter this world and think that they're able to make any sort of good decision for themselves and their families? It's, it's really, really hard. I completely agree. I think you can break it down into... Um, a couple of approaches. One is if you have profound concerns about health, a certified organic product is probably your safest choice. And let me back up a minute and say, I, I feel like when people say green, clean, organic, natural, all that, I think those are all, all pointing towards safe. Mm-hmm. We all want to yes. know that we're using products that are good for us. And then I think other people go further on and want it to be good for the environment mm-hmm. as well, mm-hmm. like you've indicated. Right, so, so priority number one is safety for myself and my family. Right. Priority so number two is the doing good in the world. Right. Mm-hmm. So organic is going to be your first choice, and there's two choices there. There's a food standard, which has limited a limited array of products. Um, there are private standards, uh, EcoCert, which has will increasingly um, have the... excuse me, Cosmos seal on it, C-O-S-M-O-S. And that's, you know, green chemistry and organic raw materials. Okay, let me pause. EcoCert, I know EcoCert, and there is an EcoCert seal, and I've worked with brands who have an EcoCert seal. You're saying that there's another seal? They're going to turn that into Cosmos because what happened was there were six different standards Mm -hmm. 
EcoCert Soil Association, one out of Italy, one out of Germany, et cetera, mm -hmm. they, have, they harmonized mm. and created the Cosmo seal. And it takes people a while to change their labels. Right. So I think it's this year, 17 and 18, mm -hmm. most people, when they go through their inspection, if they're with any of those other standards, will convert to Cosmos. So there's that for super high concern. Um, you know, and that will address environment and safety. Uh, there are a lot of people who are what I call self-described organic. Yeah. You know, they, um, they think they're doing a good job, and for the most part, usually they are. We're offering a service through um, NOBA where we're going to review their label and, and kind of point out anything that they may want to be changing in the future. So this would be a service to brands right. and manufacturers. Right. Mm -hmm for a, basically a label review. And it's yeah. mainly, you're just looking at their ingredient statement. We don't even need the formula. We just need to know what's in there. And then mm -hmm. we can say, these are the things you may want to okay. think about and be aware of. And is that a free service to the organization? No. Or do they pay for this? They're going to pay for okay. it. It'll be discounted for members because right. we have to have a regulatory right. scientist look at it. Got it. Okay. <laughs> so, um, so we have a valuable person doing this, but it's not, I think it'll be like 40 bucks oh, mm -hmm. for a label. That's um, amazing. And so I think that the I think that's a great next step and I think that's the majority of products out there. You know, those everybody out there is doing this for passion. They really are. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> They're committed. They um, do the absolute best they can, but as entrepreneurs, we all learn as we go along. So I think we all have to learn together and allow those brands to um, sort of evolve. Right. Well, you know, I do think that there's, you know, I meet many impassioned people who are really just trying to do their best, right, mm -hmm. develop brands and products yeah. um, that are safe and trusted. Um, but I think the, the challenge for the consumer is that there's plenty of other companies that are just right. make, using these words as a marketing right. tactic, right? right? And that that's the true confusion, I think. Yeah. Like, um, oh, I saw, you know, an article somewhere, I read something, I, I feel informed, then I go to the drugstore and I see the same words on these products from, you know, these behemoth global corporations, like, oh, so I can trust these, right? I, I think there's just so much confusion. Yeah. Um, do you think that... Um, both the entrepreneurs and the large corp multinational corporations are going to want to take part in um, making safer products, making more sustainable products? I think they are. I think that's why they're buying some of those brands. Mm -hmm. um, L'Oreal has been doing that for probably the last 10 years. Um, they bought, they've bought uh, actual organic um, branded companies and organic um, ingredient companies. Mm -hmm. Uh, in Europe, not so much here. Oh, so they're trying to be more vertical? Yes, I uh. think they're, yeah. So, And I think they're also trying to learn from those companies. Mm -hmm. And I know when you go to IBE, Indie Beauty Expo, mm -hmm. and other shows, you'll see the large brands looking to right. try and figure out what are these people doing? Because it's, it's such a vibrant part of the cosmetic industry, which is also the part that makes it so much fun. Um, so anyway, so I think that. So organic, certified, um, and then like that second category, if, even if they just look at the ingredient statement and they feel like uh, they're seeing that a large majority of the ingredients are organic and natural, they're probably <clears throat> at least supporting farmers that we need mm -hmm. and, and pushing the development of this industry forward because they're creating a demand for those kinds of ingredients. Um, and then after that, you know, I think you have to just kind of depend on the internet to a certain extent, but that is hard. Um, there's, you know, there are a lot of people who write a lot of stuff. That's right. As, <laughs> as, as my Southern mother would say, bless their hearts. 
Um, and they're not necessarily completely informed about how ingredients are made. And that is super technical. You know, people don't know how you make oil. People don't know where their food comes from. Right. So how can they know where their ingredients in a cosmetic come from? Right. There was just a few weeks ago or maybe a few months ago at this point, this um, article someone sent me about aloe being banned in California. Oh, it was a Prop 65. Okay. So, that was actually a real simple thing. Okay. So once again, as a confused industry person, yeah. like I immediately emailed Ashley. I'm like, why would this be, what's wrong with aloe? Yeah. Right. So can you walk us through what that is all about? Yeah. So aloe, uh, plants are extremely complex and they are little factories and they, they create all their own chemicals inside of them. So aloe on the outside has a um, skin and a layer portion of that skin has a material and I can't remember the name of the chemical in it. But basically if you remove that, it, it's bright yellow. So if you remove that and you have what's called decolorized aloe, then that problematic chemical is gone. And most aloe that's used in cosmetics is decolorized aloe. Um, occasionally, and again, this goes back to that overzealous organic or overzealous natural. People want complete whole aloe, mm -hmm. and that's a problematic one. Mm -hmm. So that what the Prop 65 law actually says is that anything that is decolorized is okay. If it is not, you have to put a Prop 65 warning on it because of the potential for having that chemical that is native to the plant. Got so it. It's that simple. It's that simple yet that confusing. Yeah, right? but it, it's that technical, right. really. So, and and because the way we label cosmetic ingredients, I don't I don't even think there's an inky name, which is the ingredient name for cosmetic ingredients, um, that says decolorized. There's 14 different names in the inky dictionary for aloe vera gel. Mm. Last I counted, which is crazy. Yeah. But okay, so um, the different names are because I can extract different ways. Is that is no? The different it's because of the way that the dictionary was created over the first fifty years of its life. Mm -hmm. They've standardized things now, so you can't have that many names for a particular product. Mm -hmm. But I think they left a lot of them grandfathered in. Okay, so let's switch shift gears a little bit now that my brain is yeah. spinning. I'm uh, <laughs> trying to like understand everything and digest it. Um, okay, so you are preeminent pre expert in this space. Um, you work with giant companies, large manufacturers, and small brands. Um, how do you do all of this? You know, um, I'm assuming you're a pretty lean organization. Yeah. Um, how do you fit all the time in for this, for Noba? for you know, speaking engagements and things like that. Yeah, I have an incredible team. Um, we're not huge, there's six of us now. Um, but um, I work a lot. <laughs> I probably work six days a week pretty consistently. Um, and I work long days, but I also have fun. You know, I have to say that um, going from all of the stuff I had done historically into the cosmetic world, all of a sudden, I went from working with all men to all women. Mm -hmm. It's so much fun. I love it so much more. It's so great. It's just, it's really a pleasure. And it's really fun for me to see these young women being so inspired and working, you know, with these really interesting ideas and their marketing is beautiful and they're, you know, they're just really working hard. And um, I 
you know, all I say to all of my customers is, I just want you to be successful. And if there's anything I can bring to that, I will. So I try to be as efficient as I can. You know, you pay people to do things um, so that you can do other things. And hopefully you have a revenue stream in there so that it makes sense. I'm not a uh, Silicon Valley company. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, we don't have debt. And we didn't have to borrow tons and tons of money. So, you know, it just works out. Plus, the organic industry is relatively small. Um, and I have been doing this a long time, so it's, I'm pretty efficient. It doesn't take me a long time to get most things done. And we have a lot of stuff. You know, I, I think I have like 160 or something blogs where I've written, you know, about the aloe vera issue, mm -hmm. about, you know, if somebody buys oil that says it's sunflower oil, RBD, what does that mean? So I have a lot of little technical um, blogs I can refer to people mm -hmm. to on my website so that I don't have to re-explain right. things over and over. Um, do you travel the world to visit where these ingredients come from? Yes, I do. How often are you globetrotting? Um, I'm trying not to globetrot too much, um, but, you know, my kids are both out of almost out of college. I've got one who will graduate in May, and the other one's out and launched. Um, so I'm in Europe. Um, you know, I'll go to In Cosmetics in April, and then I'll go see one of my suppliers in, in Madrid. And then I'm hoping to go to Morocco to see my Argan supplier. Um, and I went to Ecuador, I guess, two years ago, and I'd, I'd really like to go back, but I think I'm going to wait until 2019 to go. Um, it's a long trip to South America. Wonderful, amazing, and that's where I work with a palm, um, mm -hmm. a, a really amazing project with over 200 farmers for palm production. You know, a lot of family farms, and that's sort of the thing I love uh, at that end of it. So um, I try to only do one really big trip once a year, maybe twice mm -hmm. a year. Do you ever get overwhelmed with um, the, your mission? You know, the sense of, like, do all these baby steps add up to big steps? Yeah. I don't get... What I'm saying is, yes, they do add up, uh -huh. and no, I don't get overwhelmed. But I'm, um, I've been doing this a long time, and I'm not young. So I think I have a little more patience, mm -hmm. number one. Number two, I am inherently optimistic. You know, I just really am. And I also feel like if you give people the tools to connect the dots, they'll do it. Um, that does create more work in a way. That's why we created NOBA, because I felt like we needed a method to bring people into a space to discuss this very special area and then help it grow with some structure and some um, consensus. I think consensus on the sort of the landscape of how you talk about a product category is really, really important. And I know exactly what it did with organic food. So I've got a really strong model to look at. So I don't, I don't feel overwhelmed because I feel like I have sort of a historical foundation Right. To work from. Right. I would like to be more patient. <laughs> I have a hard time with it. Wait until your kids are older. Wait until high school. <laughs> are you, do you have any that age yet? No, they're both elementary yeah. school. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. I think it's a really valuable trait for running your own business to just be patient and just yeah. continue moving forward and um, not 
like analyze every single tiny step and just keep moving forward. Right. Well, it's that, but I also think you have to problem solve. Right. So I don't look at anything as a, um, when somebody gets upset, you know, it's, I, I'm not good at drama. It's like, okay, let's identify the problem mm -hmm. and let's come up with a couple of solutions and we'll try one or two of them and we'll tweak it and make it work. You know, and that's really become my management style as I've had more people come into my organization. Mm -hmm. When you're on your own, it's harder to be patient in a way because you're, you know, kind of the main player. So you can get impatient with yourself. But when you have to communicate to other people, you're sort of forced to, you know, either have unhappy employees or figure it out in a um, proactive way. Yeah, I'd probably say I'd, I'm fairly patient with my team. I'm very impatient with myself. Yeah, right, right there. I'm much harder on myself. Yeah. Um, so uh, my last question for you about this industry that you um, are really a truly an expert in, where do you see it evolving in the next five to 10 years? Um, I'm seeing it explode right now. And I think um, that there will be greater clarity on um, exactly what the terms mean. I think we'll come to some consensus. I think that uh, as the brands mature and their messages become clearer, that consumers will feel more comfortable. Um, the last statistic I saw was that, you know, this is especially in this space, it's the millennial buyer who's driving it and they're 47% of the, I guess, the buying demographic, you know, right now. And that's pretty significant. So as they mature, you're going to see real um, growth in that area. Um, you know, we're growing at a pretty good clip. And I think most of the brands that I work with are growing anywhere from 10 to 100% a year. It's kind of crazy for yeah. some of them. Um, so, yeah, I see huge demand. And then every time somebody gets pregnant, as you said earlier, they stop and go, oh, should I use this? What am I going to do? You know? <laughs> and um, I think it makes changes. And then at the other end of things, if somebody gets sick, they start looking seriously at the kinds of products they're using. Right. So um, why haven't you started your own brand? Um, I don't like working with the consuming public. It's, I mean, when you talk about patience, right. I don't have patience for that. Mm -hmm. I have patience for entrepreneurs. I have patience for scientists and mm -hmm. formulators. Um, and I love working on the farm side. You know, I've got a lot of great ideas because I've seen a lot of people make a lot of mistakes. Mm -hmm. But I have no interest in creating a brand, really. You know, I make stuff for my husband or for myself. Mm -hmm. That's about it, my kids. <laughs> <laughs> Do you see um, one segment of the industry growing more rapidly in the future, like hair versus skin versus color versus fragrance? Um, I think that the fragrance industry is changing a lot, and I'm seeing that just in the fragrance houses that I work with because mm -hmm. I sell ingredients to some of them, and I also represent a fragrance house. Um, I think that um, the hardest one is going to be hair care because of the synthetics you have to have for conditioning mm -hmm. and for You mean that nice slip and glide? Oh yeah, that mm -hmm. beautiful hair mm -hmm. in the commercial, that, that thing that hair does in all commercials where they move their head around. Um, yeah, I think that's the hardest thing to do because that's a really particular kind of chemistry and it's not the nicest chemistry in terms of um, the environment.
-hmm. and that's the hardest one to do. And then the other thing is preservatives, although I'm working with a physicist right now who just has patented what I believe will be like the first certified organic preservative. Wow. Yeah, I'm really excited. We've run challenge tests, all that looks good, and now, you know, we have to play with it a little bit more, but another month or so we'll launch it. Wow, that's so fabulous. Yeah. Well, thank you, Gay. This has been so informative and for sure a must-listen-to episode for anyone who's a formulator or in interested in where the natural space is going. Um, so thank you for sharing your wisdom with us today. And for our listeners, I hope you enjoyed this interview with Gay. Please subscribe to our series on iTunes. And for updates about the show, please follow us on Instagram at Base Beauty Creative Agency. For our listeners, I hope you enjoyed this interview. Please subscribe to our series on iTunes. And for updates about the show, follow us on Instagram at Where Brains Meet Beauty Podcast. Thanks for listening to Where Brains Meet Beauty with Jody Katz. Tune in again for more authentic conversations with beauty leaders.